and welcome to episode number 17 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. You can find us online at R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com and you can uh, hit us up via email at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. I am Darren O'Neill, your host. On today's show, we're going to be talking about transitions, both from the uh, a personal side aspect of it and, and then as a global aspect of it, because everybody goes through their personal transitions, you grow, things happen in your life. The same thing's happening to the world around us, and often we don't really see what's going on because those transitions are slow. They happen over a long period of time, and it's an interesting concept. When you want to talk about transitions from a, a political sphere or something like that, Glenn Beck talked about it a few years ago, actually even wrote a book uh, called The Overton Window, which the concept of the Overton Window is as things continue to move to one side or the other politically, you are forced to make changes that you normally wouldn't find to be palatable because things are happening slowly. You're making that choice of the the lesser of two evils, which is kind of interesting because every time we have an election in this country, it seems that when you talk to a lot of people about, you know, hey, what's going on? Who are you going to vote for? A lot of times you kind of hear, well, I don't really want to vote for Obama or I don't really want to vote for Trump, but, you know, I don't like that Hillary or I don't like that, you know, whoever else is running. What's the lesser of two evils? We hear that kind of a thing all the time, and this falls into the Overton window, because as things continue to progress in one direction, say really, really far to the left, but really, really far to the right, now your perspective has changed and you don't even realize why your perspective has changed and why all of a sudden you may be thinking that something that was nearly impossible to imagine just a few years ago seems like the better choice now. So this is an interesting kind of things, a uh, thing when it comes to transitions. Uh, for me, I want to talk about a couple of things today from a worldview, which is what's going on in the EU and how they're changing the definition of hate speech. And I also wanted to, uh, you know, kind of hit on a few things that has happened, uh, you know, to me personally, and talking about a whole bunch of things and how these things have kind of progressed to the point to where you go back and look at how it all started, and it's kind of mind-blowing. On a sad personal note, my wife's grandmother passed away at the end of last week, and she was 94. It's hard to feel bad for her. This is the interesting thing when people pass on. You feel bad for yourself. In this case, I can't feel bad she didn't suffer. She had a great life, lived to be 94 years old, and was just an overall badass chick. So, Doris, we are going to miss you. And it's, it's you don't see, you know, when your parents, in, you don't see that age changing, right? You still kind of see things, people, you'll hear them say things like, well, you know, I, my wife, I met her in high school. It's like, well, you still see her like she was in high school. You kind of have these blinders on as life goes on and things change. Again, your perspective kind of stays the same a lot of times because you have that history. 
and you don't really see the small changes that are made. We all change as we age. You know, we all start getting the gray hair. In my case, you start losing a little bit of the hair or a lot of the hair. And you don't notice this because it doesn't happen in one fell swoop. Again, that overton window. You know, at one point, having any kind of baldness, it'd be like, oh, wow, that's going to suck. And then you get to the point where you go, you know, you kind of the, like the uh, like the father on Everybody Loves Raymond, Frank Boyle, great actor. Uh, you know, just had that big bald spot, just a little bit of hair on the sides. Well, for people in at that stage, you know, having just a little bald spot in the back, that seems like a great choice where, you know, when you were 18, you'd go, any bald spot's going to suck. So these transitions that happen change our perspective and change the way we look at things. You know, and it's it's interesting to me to see, you know, on that personal level, it's like, you know, I lost vision in an eye a couple of years ago. and it's a big change. I mean, I, I see it or lack of that. I don't see that pretty much each and every day. It's a lot harder to read things. Um, since there is still a little vision in that eye, there is, uh, you know, sometimes distortions, what I like to call a purple haze, which has gotten better over the last couple of years. But, you know, we're hoping at some point that that can, that can get fixed because medical science is doing some amazing things. And, uh, you know, in that aspect also, there are things that are happening now medically today that, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't even believe could happen. These transitions, again, are happening. And you kind of just have to, you know, on one end, roll with the bunches. And in some cases, you know, medical science, it's great that people that have eye problems like I do have hope that the the technology is improving and the the problem, you know, the physical limitations that we have are getting fixed. I have a good friend who has MS and, and the same thing. It's like you are hoping that medical science, we're all hoping we can kind of live long enough that medical science can figure out whatever it is that we have that is screwed up with us and they can figure out a way to fix it. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it really helps to believe that it's possible to kind of, uh, you know, to kind of keep your spirits up and to kind of get beyond these things that are happening. It's like when I first lost the vision in the eye, it seemed like a horrible, and it is a horrible thing, but it seemed maybe worse than it was. You know, I realize now there are worse things. You can live with the condition. You can do 95% of the things that I've done before, and I don't feel like I am completely limited. Does it suck at times? Sure. But, you know, again, there's that transition in, the way I've been looking at things. Now, again, with uh, my wife's grandmother passing away, also one of my mom's cousins passed away back in February, who was like another grandmother to me. And again, she was in her upper 80s. And it wasn't a surprise, but, you know, it's kind of interesting the way you look at your life and you see these things going on. My parents are getting up there in age. My dad's had some health problems. And you start taking a different stock in what's important to you and what's not. And you get to a certain age, and I believe I'm at that age now to where you kind of realize you're going to die. You know, I hope this isn't a spoiler for anybody out there, but we are all going to die. And how you look at that, going into that, which again, I guess is the ultimate transition, uh, how you look at that and how you feel about that is 
a maybe a core thing to the, how you're going to live your life because you realize we're here for a limited amount of time. And again, these two badass chicks that passed away this year and my mom's cousin, who was like another grandmother and my wife's grandmother, I can't feel sorry for them because I feel sorry for me and I feel sorry for my wife and my mom and dad for not having these people around any longer for us. And it's an interesting kind of a thing because when you're a kid, you never really think about death. You never really think about people moving on usually. I mean, most of us aren't hit with that at a really young age, except maybe, you know, a grandparent here or there. But, you know, I, I have to say overall, I've been pretty lucky. Uh, the first, first episode of this podcast that we did, I talked about my buddy Tom who passed away completely unexpectedly. And that is a completely different thing. Again, Tom is the guitarist, great songwriter, musician that we are using some of his music at the start of these episodes and at the end as a tribute to him. And I talked about in that first episode how his passing changed my perspective of the problem with the eye, and it continues to do so. It's interesting because these transitions aren't like turning a light switch on and off. I'm constantly looking for new music, always looking for for stuff like that. And my buddy Tom was, again, a big musician. So I often run into music online that I want to grab and download. And I think to myself for that brief second, you know, hey, Tom would love this. And then it kind of, you know, sets in where it's like, well, okay, Tom's not here anymore. But, uh, you know, that that isn't the first thought. That first thought is always like, hey, Tom would like this. And it's kind of an interesting thing on how these things kind of, move on as we age and we realize that we're only here for a certain amount of time. And I guess you either live completely in fear of the end or you go out and you try to kick as much ass as you can in whatever way you can. And I, it's not easy always to go to that second, that second uh, place there. It's easy to kind of feel bad for yourself at times to be a little bit afraid, but Hey, if you can kick yourself into that gear and realize you know, it, that go out and grab life by the horns and and go out and make every minute count. I mean, I guess that makes the uh, makes the most sense as far as the way to say that. But now talking about transitions on a world level and in a political level, I am scared. I am really, really scared. I used to do a podcast with my good buddy Jeff Kraske. That was, uh, well, at first it was called Alt This, which we dealt with tech, and then it became Alt This, which was half tech and then half politics, because the politics going on about 11 or 12 years ago was nuts, when it still is today, and then that transformed into a show called Common Man, Common Sense, where we talked about politics completely, and on one of those shows, and I tried going back and finding the audio, but unfortunately... We didn't really uh, catalog these things with show notes or ever, anything like that, because otherwise I'd have been going back to grab that audio for you. But I remember having a conversation at least a decade ago about bullying, this whole concept when it came out. And I was scared about this bullying bullshit when it came out, because it is not what you think. And that's the way so many things are in the media these days. They are not what you think. The way the stories are being covered are either slightly biased 
or completely disingenuous. And if you want the best possible way to keep up on what's going on and who's lying to you in the media and how the news is just so out of control, Trump doesn't even have half of it right, in my personal opinion, as far as calling things fake news. And if you want to get proof about fake news from a non-biased team, you you want to check out the No Agenda Show, which is noagendashow.com. Adam Curry, former VJ, and uh, John C. Dvorak, former columnist for PC Magazine, and they've both each done tons of other things. But they look at the media and how things are not being reported honestly, how the bias in media has gone from the opinion pieces, which are fine. I mean, there's always been people out there that have been, uh, you know, columnists or, you know, doing the opinion pieces. Guys like Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, they've always been up front that they're not journalists, that they're opinion guys. Well, the real journalists are all gone now. The real journalists are gone, and what you have is everybody giving opinion pieces, which means if they have a story that goes against what they believe, they're not going to cover it, or they're going to cut a quote that is in a way that takes it out of context, but it makes somebody else look bad. And this goes on so much, you would not even believe it. So for that, there's they do two shows a week, three hours a piece, and they still can't cover everything. So if you really want to get a, a sampling of what's going on with the media, you definitely want to check out the No Agenda Show. Well, one of the things they covered on this past episode, and it was a video that's been kind of circulating around on Twitter, is the European Union who just came out. They're redefining what hate speech is. And I'm going to I'm going to play the audio for you because it just has to be heard and then then we'll kind of make a few more comments on it but this is the European Union doing a press conference on how they are going to change the 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 legislation or they're giving you the blueprint for what they would like to see as far as legislation goes for this uh hate speech in regards to immigration so here's that clip um, meant to be the legal framework on which the participating countries commit themselves to build new legislation. And one basic element of this new agreement is the extension of the definition of hate speech. The agreement wants to criminalize migration speech. Criticism of migration will become a criminal offense. And media outlets and that also concerns you, that give room to criticism of migration can be shut down. Now, I don't know about you, but that is scary to me. That's about as scary as possible. And if he couldn't necessarily understand what he was saying, criticism of migration policies are going to be made hate speech, which are going to be made illegal, which means if you live in the EU and you don't like what's going on with the migrant problem, and there is a huge migrant problem. If you disagree with the way the masters and lords that run the European Union, if you disagree with their policies on migration, on immigration, and you actually have the idiocy to be so stupid to actually say that you don't agree with them, 
you are going to be committing a crime. It is going to be considered hate speech for you to say that you are against immigration. It's absolutely nuts. And you also hear that they go after and threaten the news media by saying, if you dare even open any pages of your newspaper, you dare give any seconds to your broadcast, whether it be on television or whether it be on radio or wherever you're doing your broadcasting, if you even dare give any time to somebody who is against these migration policies, they're going to shut you down. I mean, in the United States, Donald Trump calls, you know, CNN fake news and people lose their shit. The EU is coming out and specifically saying we are going to make it illegal for our citizens to disagree with these policies. And we're going to make it illegal for the news media to cover it. And if they cover it, they're going to be shut down. How did this happen? That's what I want to know. How did this happen in a in a world where information is flowing freely, even though I guess it's always questionable, but how did this happen? How did that Overton window switch? How did we get to a point to where the leaders of the European Union want to make it illegal for people to disagree with them? You see the same thing going on when it comes to climate change. It's another farce that's being sold on people, and nobody could ever show you how the science is proven because the science is not proven. Do your own homework. Look this stuff up. You will see that the world is actually in a massive cooling uh, stage right now to where scientists at NASA are saying, you know, hey, this is two years. We have never seen cooling like this. The atmosphere is already starting to shrink and will continue to do so. And this is all due to what is going on. Lack of sunspots, lack of activity on the sun, because as I think we've talked about briefly on this show at least once, the sun actually is what provides the warmth on this planet we call Earth. And nobody wants to take what the sun is doing into account when talking about man-made global warming. So it's a farce. Nobody can prove the science are a man. Is there an effect? Sure. But right now it seems that the planet is cooling. So which is it, Al Gore? If it's global warming, why is the planet cooling? How do you get people to believe this nonsense? It's by pushing the stuff again and again and again. And you hear people using words like climate change deniers. No, not really words. Having the concept and actually saying that people who deny climate change, the people who deny man-made climate change should be put into jail. This is no different than what's going on in the EU right now, except they're actually trying to make it law that if you disagree with what the government's doing and you talk about it, you are committing a crime. You are doing hate speech. When bullying first started, I knew this was the end game. This was the way these things get pushed slowly and slowly and slowly because it's all about the children, right? It's all about the children, my ass. What are we doing to kids when we don't let them learn how to deal with the real world? Is bullying a good thing? No, but bullying happens on a whole bunch of different levels. If somebody is actually being physically assaulted, then yes, step in. But kids, you know, calling each other names on the playground, all of a sudden, that's going to be hate speech. And if kids never learn how to defend themselves, if kids never learn 
how to stand up for themselves and grow that self-confidence that they need to deal with, with the real world, they're being done a major disservice by not letting them not letting them uh, learn how to fight their own battles, how to deal with life, how to deal with those transitions as we move from you know being a kid into adulthood where when your boss yells at you for being an idiot because you didn't do your job right, you can't just yell bullying. You know, I mean, it's just not the way the world works. So we're not doing anybody any favors whatsoever. And it's an interesting thing to me when you look at, again, how we look at things differently now than we did back then. A lot of things completely change, but usually, you know, your tastes in music are, are pretty consistent. There are things that we keep with us our whole life. And usually it turns out that the music you grew up on, so the music you listen to maybe from the time, you know, once you got out of the kids music phase, listening to Barney and, you know, the, the Teletubbies, you know, watching the, you know, those kind once you got past that phase and you really start discovering from your own music, for me, that was about from the age 10 to the age 20. It's still, I would say that the bands that I discovered, the artists that I discovered during that period in my life are still at the top of the list for artists that I still listen to. Of course, you have to include a lot of really uh, classic artists in there, such as, you know, Frank Sinatra and the Beatles and all that. So, you know, it's hard to kind of, you know, to screw that up. But the things that we grow up on are the the perspective that we have a lot of times doesn't really transform that much. And having that, even though we're getting older, you still like that same music that you did you know, when you were younger. And there is an interesting thing, you know, too, another good buddy of mine who I've done a, a bunch of podcasts with, F.J. Shark, right out of college, wrote a book, uh, How to Be the Jerk That Women Love. And he did, the, he did the circuit. He did the Montel Williams and the Sally Jesse Raphaels. And it was kind of an interesting thing because he's really a nice guy. And he realized that there was, what from what his perspective was, a lot of girls at the time were going for the guys that didn't treat them well, you know, that they were the bad boys. They didn't want the boring guys. You know, they wanted that sense of adventure. And he realized, you know, hey, maybe you can use some of that concept, but not really being a jerk, but understanding the psychology of it and, you know, little things that you could do to maybe show that you're not the pushover, you know? I mean, again, there's these rules that we all have heard, like, well, you don't call a girl, you know, over the first few days. You never go home and call her right away. After the first date, you got to wait at least a couple of days. There's a lot of rules out there. And his whole concept was taking that, you know, what the jerk guys are doing and putting it into a, into a construct that normal, nice guys can use. And the interesting thing is, now he has um, transformed, I mean, again, I guess that's the, the whole concept of this podcast. He has transformed into probably the best dad, best family man, the most uh, engaged and involved dad that you can find with his kids who are both going into college now because, damn it, we're all getting old. And but his kids tell him things that I would have never dreamt about telling my parents 
when I was the same age. So I applaud him on making that transition and being able to, you know, again, it's kind of funny to think about the guy who wrote the book. And if you go look, you can still find the book cover at Amazon. He's in, you know, a leather jacket sitting on a motorcycle with a bunch of strippers around him, which there's stories around there. And we're going to start doing some more podcasts with FJ Shark here again at some point, because there's a lot of great stories to be told. But this, again, is the transformation. And we talked about this not too long ago, especially now that he has kids that are going into college, because it's an interesting thing to me that we we look at things, some things in that transition, like I said, we all are moving on in life, but there are certain things like music that don't change. And another thing that doesn't change, you know, are women. And it's it's something that you always look at and you always people like, why do older guys, you know, why do they like younger women? It's like, well, it's because that's what we were brought up on. I mean, it's an interesting thing where you look at something like Playboy magazine who screwed themselves by totally messing up the easiest business model on earth. But, you know, as a kid, you know, I remember looking at a Playboy magazine, you look at the playmates, they were the epitome of what was supposed to be the ideal woman. And I know you can make all sorts of different arguments, but just from a physical standpoint, We were ingrained from an early age that the perfect woman was probably somewhere between the ages of 18 and like 24. Does that change when you grow older? No. Do you find women that are that age less attractive as you get older? No, you don't. That is something that there was a line in a movie and I pulled it out for you. I actually did some prep work for this show this time. Because I thought this was something that had stuck with me. This movie came out five or six years ago that was called Liberal Arts. The uh, guy from How I Met Your Mother uh, played Ted Mosby. Why am I blanking on his name? Him and the the third Olsen sister. The concept was this guy was like mid-30s. He was going through a midlife crisis, you know, a little early maybe at 35. But was going back to his old college because his favorite professor was retiring. And he meets a girl, you know, 19 years old or so, and they hit it off. And this is the relationship kind of starts. Here you got a guy in his mid-30s and and a college girl. And the professor sees this happening and calls him on it. They go out. You're sitting in a bar. And this is the conversation that they have. You know how old I am? No, how old are you? It's none of your goddamn business. You know how old I feel like I am? 19. Since I was 19, I have never felt not 19. But I shave my face, and I look in the mirror, and I'm forced to say this is not a 19-year-old staring back at me. (sighs) Teaching here all these years, I've had to be very clear with myself that even though I'm surrounded by 19-year-olds, and I may have felt 19, I'm not 19 anymore. You follow me? Yeah. Nobody feels like an adult. It's the world's dirty secret. And I remember hearing that when I first saw the movie, and it stuck with me all this time, is that simple concept that maybe had just never been articulated quite that well and in quite that way, that no matter how old we get, We still feel like we're 19. We never do feel 
old. And, and I think that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, because obviously you can't act like you're 19 when you're my age, because, you know, there are physical limitations and the, the world is a little bit different, but at, at the other, at the other end of that spectrum is, you know, I guess it's kind of a good thing. Maybe that's something that's built in to our DNA that we, we want to deny that we're getting older. We want to deny that we have to go through all of these transitions and get to the point to where there's going to be a day that we're no longer here. But I remember again, hearing that, and it just really kind of stuck with me. And it's like, you know, this is the reason why that older guys are always attracted to young girls. Do you act on it? No. But if somebody's going to go, Hey, do you find this 18 year old, this 20 year old, this 22 year old attractive? If a guy's never going to go, well, no, she's too young because we grew up being in, you know, junior high. We grew up being 12 and 13 and looking at the girls of that age as the ultimate, you know, as the, as the, the girls that we wanted to date, I think we wanted to go out with when we grew up. And I guess for better or worse as guys, we just never really do grow up. And that's cool. That's fine. As long as you know it, you know, this professor in the movie, I mean, I think this was just such a poignant thing to where it's like, you know, what I look in the mirror, I know I'm not that age anymore. Even though I feel that age, you kind of have to remind yourself that you've gone through those transitions. Your life has moved on and you have to act accordingly. So transitions can be good in your personal life and in the world. In the personal life, maybe more so in the world, we have some very scary things going on right now. So I would urge you if there's ever been a call to arms or a call to action that we've ever put out in, in this podcast, it would be to, in your personal life, understand your timeline and that it's a limited one and, and to really seize the day, you know, go out there and grab the world by the horns. And in the global sense, I would urge you to look and understand why things are changing, how you're being pushed in one direction, how things are transforming at maybe a slow rate. And because it's so slow, because that Overton window is being moved, you're not really noticing it. You're being distracted by lies in the news media. You're being distracted by all their sorts of entertainment. And you're not paying attention to the fact that the world is about to burn down because the European Union is about to make it illegal to disagree with their policies. Do we want that in the United States? No. Whatever you want to say about Trump, I don't think he's a perfect president, but he is the first president that it's come out and called the news. Well, actually, he's not really the first. We should talk about that at some point as well. If we all remember, Hillary Clinton just called Fox News a propaganda arm. Uh, Barack Obama, I remember when I was in Ireland, he had, the big news was that Barack Obama basically came out and asked people to turn in their neighbors if they were saying questionable things. So don't think this is all just Trump. Again, go do your own homework. There's a lot of information out there. Don't believe the crap people are telling you and be worried that the world is moving in the way to where these stories are being told to deceive you for a political agenda. 
for people to take more power. Look and understand what's going on with immigration and migration. Talk to people who came to this country legally. You'll be, it's really always interesting to me that the news media is never covering these people because I've talked to enough of them and you can find them online. The people that came from Mexico legally and did everything right are pissed about this illegal immigration stuff. You'll also see why even Mexico is having problems with these people. You'll see how many criminals are involved. And don't believe these these photo ops of oh these poor starving people, just women and children are being bombarded with tear gas. It's like, go do your homework. You're not being told the reality. Understand this in the concept of the European Union wanting to make it illegal to disagree with their policies. Understand this in the same spectrum for people that want to make it illegal for you to be a global uh, climate change denier. Ask yourself why. Do your own homework so at least if you're going to get screwed up the butt, you're at fault and not just because you believed what somebody else told you. Thanks again for coming along on these shows. We're going to always try to do them on a weekly basis. Of course, things happen. Unfortunately, people pass away, and sometimes that can be a little bit harder. But, you know, we're going to try to do this as often as we can. And we urge you to reach out to us via email, even if it's just to say hi. Always want to get a gauge of who's listening, what you like, what you hate. Even if you want to email me and say, I hate the show, randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. I'm glad you're along, glad you're listening, and I hope everything is good with you. Enjoy those transitions. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.